quiet. Let's hear more. Let's go ahead and build my case for the next episode. So far on that show, I've yeah. listened to, um, uh, yeah, um, the name, I, sometimes I just draw blanks on shit. There's only a few yeah, episodes. It's the Don Lane, uh, Richard Gere. Yeah. Unfaithful. unfaithful. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I kept thinking un, but I kept wanting to say unforgiven because that's what we're talking about. But yeah, so I, li- mm. I listened to that the other day and y'all love y'all some fucking, I'll be honest though. So, I mean, I get it. There were, uh, I was gonna say, say something uh, bad about Dying I, Lane. I was, I was I, interested. It to was hear just this. funny because it's like <laughs> the bulk of the episode is just like, God damn, she's something. <laughs> and it made me think about the early porn days where you could only download like, you know, like a 20 second clip would be like four megs and it'd take an hour. Mm-hmm. Early me, young me was like that scene where she was trying to leave, uh, and walk out the door. That's like 20 mm-hmm. seconds of greatness that you can just replay over and over again. Yeah, when I went on YouTube to find clips for the show, that was the one that was posted like a thousand times on YouTube. But I'm like, I don't think I can really, really use no. this, but is it is the iconic moment for sure. Teddy, you were going to say something dirty. I could tell. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Whenever it starts like that, I know. It's Are you really recording, bad. Teddy? Make sure you hit that record button. <laughs> Derek here as well. <laughs> Are you there? I know how this works now. Chat, one, two. All right. You don't like it much, does she? You're riding off with me. Sally? Give me the evil eye. Well, you know, Sally's engine. Engines ain't over friendly, Will. I ain't gonna hold it against her. She knew me back then. She knew what no good son of a bitch I was. She just ain't allowing that I changed. She don't realize I ain't like that no more. Well, you know, Will. It's the same, Ned. Claudia, she straightened me up, cleared me of drinking whiskey and all. Just because we're going on this killing, that don't mean I'm going to go back to being the way I was. Just need the money. Get a new start for them youngsters. Yeah. Ned, you remember that drover I shot through the mouth and his teeth came out the back of his head? I think about him now and again. He didn't do anything to deserve to get shot. At least nothing I could remember when I sobered up. He was one crazy son of a bitch, Will. Yeah, no one liked me. The boys all thought I was gonna shoot him out of pure meanness. Well, you ain't like that no more. Eagle, he hated my guts. Bonaparte didn't think too much of me either. Quincy neither, right? No. Quincy used to just watch all the time. Scared. Well, like I said, I ain't like that no more. That's right. I'm just a fella now. I ain't no different than anyone else. No more. I remember one time in college, Derek confides to me that, hey man, 
still still pictures they just don't do it for me anymore like <laughs> in college yeah <laughs> it came got, to that quick <laughs> i gotta have the video <laughs> oh i remember because i was just kind of floored that in, in this somewhat like digital age you were already getting in you were still had like a collection of pictures do you remember that oh look at him don't you deny i thought you had were you wasn't it you that had like uh okay let me ask you, let's get in the weeds on that a little bit. I mean, this has nothing to do with Unforgiven. But Derek, do you think that technology has brought that back? Because with iPhones, I feel like it's not as weird just to have vast photos on your, in your phone. Right. Because you just click, save, whatever. Whereas in the desktop computer age, where you're going out and collecting and putting them in folders, <laughs> it's a little creepy. I've made this joke, I'm pretty sure, in my life about a friend of mine's computer where their stash was like in like a hundred folders to get to it. If I recall, <laughs> they may even still have that same nail. So it's like inception, <laughs> like just level upon level. But you're right because there'll be like stupid like knots where we're, you know, posting pictures in, in threads and I'll save something. But like a week later, it's like a thousand photos back. Right. Because you've screened, you've done so many different things and I forget and I'll scroll through and I'm like, well, you can't really say it. I have all kinds of weird shit on here. It is interesting for me to go through my uh, iPhone photo library, and you can almost see the train of thought of how <laughs> uh-huh. one thing led me to the other on what I screenshot or save. Uh, I don't know why I even use my phone to try. I think that will remind myself if I take a screenshot of something. Like, I need to go back to this article, or I'll go back to this thing I want to purchase. Never that never mm-hmm. happens. No, no. Maybe months later, uh, accidentally. All right, so everybody ready to talk about Unforgiven? Now that we talked about God, it's been two weeks since collecting I it. photos, I don't even remember it now. Two weeks for you, and probably three weeks for me and Teddy. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, I, I watched it before I started my new job. So there's an episode of Sober Cinema, Teddy, where I get attacked because they said I was making fun of your new job because I didn't really know exactly what you did. Uh, and I just said that he's <laughs> filming appliances because I didn't know. And Jared, Jared said <laughs> that is highly offensive. And I'm like, but <laughs> I was like, I'm speaking of ignorance. I'm like, I don't know, but they make appliances. So I assume they're in the footage. And Jared's like, I can't believe <laughs> you were just talking about Teddy Bonnie's back saying he's just filming ovens for a living. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, but <laughs> Care to talk about that, Teddy? he's doing something like that. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I of mean, all the things, though, for Jared, of all the things we say on that show that are like meant to be offensive, he got really like, no, 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 don't. He's like, don't do that, tough man. Don't talk about his line of work on his back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this past week I just shot a blender, a mixer. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at how spot on it was. And Jared, was I'm, I'm yeah. making sure that I'm going to cut out this and send it to Jared because he's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there are other things that I do, but yeah, that's right now. That's that's definitely a big part of my job um, is getting some video of. I mean, I watch YouTube videos of people unboxing their iPads and iPhones. It's it's a yeah, it's a, a living. But Jerry said that it was demeaning in some way. Yeah, what I'm doing basically, so they call it a digital tray. It's what you see if you go to like Best Buy or Lowe's. If you go to click on a product, mm. you have up in the corner the picture, and then you have all the media like pictures and uh, video that pop up like in a little L shape next to the, the photo. Uh, I'm going in and updating some of those, like shooting video and like uh, a lot of, we call them limbo shots, where it's like a, a product on a white background, and you get it from all angles. 
They wanted to start doing 360 stuff too, so we're trying to use like a little turntable to get like a 360 shot of some of the. So would you say you're uh, you're like the Clint Eastwood character in Unforgiven that you used to be out among the people and now you're just isolated and, <laughs> and alone, just just uh, <laughs> rolling around and pick shit like yeah. that's that's what I've, my life's Salt. become. Salt of the earth type. When you, yeah. you um, roll the ball to him there, that's not the response I expected him to say. Yeah, I just roll around pig shit. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> See, I actually, <laughs> I know that Teddy will bring it back <laughs> to a completely different place and get us onto the movie. Um, all right, uh, Teddy, you are, um, I guess, a regular guest, a much in demand guest on the show. Uh, so much so that you have created a troll Twitter account. Just to, I guess, create more brand awareness for your rare appearances on the Grand Gesture. Yeah, I, I did give you a shout out on another show when Rope was brought up, uh, oh, and I believe yeah. your tweet was quoted about Rope being for real men. <laughs> real um, men watch Rope. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you, uh, you were definitely the guy to come on and talk Unforgiven if you want to talk about hyper masculinity. Yeah. Yeah, um, my uh, first of all, my Twitter account—it's—it's uh, it's for my five very rapid followers. Um, Hiro being my number one fan, so a lot did of he follow you back? My... Actually, no, I don't think he did. <laughs> I noticed that. I, I made a mental note that the, uh, the three people that sort of uh, make fun of your appearances for how off the rails they go quickly followed back. But the man who wants more of you was like, "Man, I don't know what this is, and I don't." Maybe want he can. Maybe he can only handle me in podcast form. He just wants it, you know, small doses. Because as I said before, I I can wear thin pretty quick on people, so uh, I'm I'm better. <laughs> Derek, at, like I'm tapping you in since you've roomed with the man for years at a time. I found him to be delightful every day. So I mean, we wanted, we we begged you to be our full time co co host. Every week yeah. we do, and uh, mm. yeah, it's this weird. Uh, uh, it is like romantic comedy where Teddy wants to be mm-hmm. chased and wooed and we, courted. Uh, I'll have you uh, know, and Mike would agree with this. Our shows are not nearly as good when you're not here. No, there's no mention of pig mm-hmm. shit as an opening <laughs> into the conversation. Yeah. And you're going to be highly offended by our Batman Returns episode with the uh, way we talk about Dane DeVito as a uh, disgusting... Uh, uh, Creature. I hope you gave him some love because he's the greatest. No. <laughs> Not one shred of We mentioned love. how you would have had you been there. <laughs> uh, if so, only I had t- time to watch it yesterday. You had time for Unforgiven weeks ago when Derek did not watch it until he dismissed it. Uh, as yeah. I mentioned on our last uh, Batman-centric recording for the Returns episode... Uh, this is, I believe, one of three Best Picture winners we have on our, our list as we try to make this odd comparison to 89 blockbusters that came after Batman 89. And uh, I don't know if Derek was really that excited to dive into this one. I know you were, Teddy, because you kind of planted your flag saying, like, I'd like to appear on this, this, and this episode, and Unforgiven being one of them. Uh, Derek, was this a first-time watch for you, or did you have any experience with this one before? I'm curious that you've known me for years and did not know this is my favorite Western of all time. All right. This is maybe an offensive question. <laughs> How many other Westerns <laughs> had you watched? Cause this would certainly be seen as a modern yeah. Western. This is way past the heyday yeah. of that. It, genre. it is odd. And I've 
pretty sure me and Teddy used to actually watch a couple of them when we were here in college. Because it's like we watched the Good to the Bad and the Ugly, uh, maybe a fistful of dollars, uh, a few dollars more, maybe. So I'm, I'll say this: I didn't grow up watching like, like I know a lot of my friends grew up like watching westerns like with their dad, who would be watching westerns. That really wasn't yeah. the thing for me. We were watching, um, even though I haven't actually. Dale Earnhardt. We were watching Dale Earnhardt. Go Chevy. <laughs> may my father rest. My, may my father and Dale rest in peace. Um, but he, but Adam is right, or excuse me, Teddy is right in that. Get the brand exactly. right. I gave him that name, <laughs> yeah. mind you. Uh, I didn't really grow up watching a lot of westerns like with him, so it was a lot of like going back when I was like a, a, a teenager. So I probably seen less than a lot of uh, folks. But for some reason, uh, this has always been one that I've always been able to go back and watch. Um, it's it's my probably, uh, I'm trying to think, the first time I watched is probably like two, or not two, but like 10 years ago or something like that. Um, but when we were supposed to initially record it, I'd kind of put it on the back burner because it was one that I had seen. So it was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that, right? Like, I'll watch that as, as soon as I get around to it. But uh, I've already seen it a handful of times so i feel like i could just regurgitate it i'm really glad that i actually went back and watched um because it was one of those and i think i was even texting you uh tangible about the fact that it's even better than i recall it being right the the entire build-up so yeah it's, it's one that i've always uh, been pretty familiar with since since uh first watch adam how many you've seen this multiple times as well right Teddy, I'm sorry. Teddy, he doesn't even <laughs> respond unless I say his name correctly. <laughs> Teddy, you've seen this, this a couple of times, right? Yeah, this this actually just made my second viewing of hmm. it. Hmm. Wait. I, uh, yeah, I'm now, I pulled up your Twitter account, Teddy, because you did have a uh, Western tweet. I think is your most recent one uh, where you said, One time in film class, my professor showed me Seven Samurai. <laughs> He prefaced the viewing by saying that The Magnificent Seven was a much better film because it did in two hours what took Seven Samurai four hours. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not? <laughs> um, I mean, Seven Samurai is a good movie, but hot damn, it takes it takes a while to get to the, to the story, you know. Um, I, I only think... threw that out there because I don't want our guests to... Uh, be fully misled on you being the the Western expert. Um, <laughs> I want them to understand what the branding means for Tangible Teddy. Yeah, I mean, come here for the hot takes, I guess. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think I interrupted Derek's question. Okay. Uh, with your, um, um, but you're saying you. So this is not one that you revisit a lot. No, I mean, it's, I think it's a really solid Western. Like it's a good swan song for Clint Eastwood um, in terms of his, his heyday with his Westerns and stuff, but. And then I, it just wouldn't go away. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Cause then he came back with Gran Torino and then he just kept coming back with other things and just wouldn't stop. But the RNC <laughs> with the chair, um, just, you know, not his greatest performance, but um, yeah, I, I I went through a big Western phase growing up. Uh, you know, I I did grow up watching a lot of them with my with my dad. Um, you know, Tombstone is probably still my favorite just because of that. Like just the nostalgia from watching it as a kid, uh, just all the snappy one liners and and whatnot. But that's not to say that there aren't some other great ones out there. But 
this one's definitely up there for me. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's good. Um, I will say though, I probably didn't enjoy it as much the second time watching it, um, as I did the first. Is that because it's, um, is it like too meta for you as far as it's definitely a commentary on the Western genre? So if you, I mean, I think that it is something looking back in hindsight on it, uh, it works. It's very effective. However, I don't know if you're just in the mood for all the trappings of a Western, uh, if this is one you would go to, because in some ways it's, you know, it's, it's demystifying and sort of taking some of the fun out of Western heroes, because there's many, many a scene, many a monologue, uh, where we are reminded just what a shithead Clint Eastwood is. Yeah. It's like, don't root for him. I mean, I think a much better movie would have just been showing me in his heyday, killing women and children. Like that, I want to see, I want to see like where this guy came from. Like, like, I mean, you get a glimpse of that at the end, but I think ultimately my problem with this film this time around comes from, um, I just think, I think the prostitutes are crazy. Like, I I think that, uh, (laughs) you know, shit, damn, damn it, Jesus. Hit your finger, huh? Hello, skinny. Damn, you stuck up on me. What do you think of her? Well, I heard you done roof yourself. Roof? Uh, Jesus, skinny, I did practically the whole damn thing myself. Well, the, the Roberts boy, he, he carried some wood for me, but that's all. What is all that wood? Well, that's for my porch. Yeah, I'm building a porch here so I can sit up in the evening and smoke my pipe. Drink coffee and watch the sunset. Well, came all the way out here just to take a look at her, huh? Oh, them whores. Oh, yeah. Them whores have been humping and humping. All them cowboys have been coming in town the last two weeks. Yeah, shit's gonna eat. You know, we got our railroad barons, we got cattle barons. You're gonna be the first billiard baron. Yeah, well, they've been humping them and telling every bow-legged one of them that, uh, they're paying a thousand dollars to whatever son of a bitch kills the two boys that cut up Delilah. Those cowboys are right out beefed on the Kansas and Cheyenne. Yeah. How long? All week? Well, I didn't hear nothing last night myself. Hell, the words probably got all the way down to Texas by now. Shit, Bill, I guess nobody's gonna come clear from Texas. You sure those whores got all that money? Well, you know, women can lie. Knock them around a little bit, ask them where the money is, they ain't got none. But they could have squirreled away that much to five of them. Maybe. That much, huh? You could run off them two cowboys. I could run off them whores. Well, I guess they'll just up and run anyhow, them two. Nope. They'll stay out there at the bar tea. Close to their friends. Oh, shit, Bill. Could be nobody won't come at all. Well, gotta go. I like your house. <laughs> I Don't get me wrong. What, what that guy did was bad. He deserved oh. to die. But like, but, like, his partner, his partner, for instance... <laughs> Totally innocent. Like, 
uh-huh. comes in, offers his best horse to the girl that was assaulted. Um, what's her face? Uh, Strawberry, uh, the the main. Oh, what's her Alice. face is uh, a pretty Fish. good uh, moniker um, for the one that has a disfigured face now for the rest of her life. But she's no. going to have a fine horse. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the uh, the leader, the leader of the hookers, um, Strawberry. I know you want to say lead whore. I know you do. <laughs> the lead whore. Um, you know, the original title of this movie was The Cut Whore Killings, which I think is that would, that would probably, probably better. make a lot more sense. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's I B-movie um, territory right there. Yes. No, I mean, okay. Okay, so so a few things here to unpack because, because yeah, from, from the way they talk about things in the movie, um, this this is a pretty big egregious offense that, that, these, that this man is – has done because it sounds to me like you get, you can get a bounty taken out on you for less, way, way less. So, you know, in today's time, like watching, I'm like, really, they're going to bring cowboys all throughout the, the country just because he cut some woman's face. Like, I mean, it, it's still bad. Uh, it's still a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I'm just, no, it's just, it doesn't really like, I don't know. Maybe it's just, I mean, so <laughs> those were the good old days when it didn't really matter that much. <laughs> I think I've just been desensitized <laughs> to things like I'm like man, a really? misdemeanor, like, like 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 a cut to the face is going to cause us to uh, set off this whole entire movie. Like she wasn't even murdered or anything. Like it just like she's got a little cut. <laughs> but <laughs> but well, when they talked about it, you thought it was going to be like you know like Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight, and then you look at her, it's like ah, it's not that bad. But, you know, just, isn't that part of the point? Scarf. Right, the the story has traveled like that silly game they used to make you play where you whisper something you know like, telephone yeah and by the time yeah. it gets to the end it's like so ridiculous they cut out her fucking eyes the only thing they didn't cut was like her vagina yeah. and it's like oh my gosh we've we've got to head out I west mean, or wherever to stop it yeah know? i mean it's it's definitely like a, a, a watered down message that that gets distorted over time but i think ultimately what i'm getting at is that you know i, I think i tend to root for the gene hackman character in this movie because this guy is just really like he's trying to maintain peace he tried you know, hey, he cut your face. We're gonna give you all these horses. I mean, hell, this guy—the second guy—tried to give his best horse to this girl, and Strawberry wouldn't let him do it. Like she's like, "Get out of here! We're gonna murder you!" Like, like this is like um, just revenge for revenge's sake, and it just doesn't really make sense. Like, um, I, I get, like I said, I kind of get where the where the first guy didn't get the punishment they really thought he needed, but that's just that's life. That's just how <laughs> justice is served in this country. Like it's been like that for. Two, three hundred years. So, I mean, I don't know. Just everything just, just sets off. Just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I like watching Gene Hackman build a house. I think that's that to me is a more interesting story. And like, just seeing this guy who won't allow guns into his his town. You know, um, I don't know. You all are just right. leave me here to die. <laughs> I don't I don't have I don't have a point anymore other than just like I just I don't think I really side with with the the horse this time like I I think (laughs) not like when he was a young man yeah Teddy's he's married now (laughs) he has no time for that funny business Listen, the streets. I, what what they did to what they did to her was wrong, and I'm not saying it wasn't. I just think that you're saying you know, that the look at, it it doesn't weight out right. It's not a balanced uh, consequence for slashing the right. face up. That, yeah, where, where that, do you stand on Home Alone, Teddy? Do you feel like uh, Kevin McAllister goes 
too far for a simple burglary. <laughs> Men come oh. in want to take VCRs and he bashes their brains Take in them and burns them. <laughs> no, that's different. That's like a stand your ground kind of thing. Like, hey, this is my house. Not, <laughs> hey, this is my fucking face. <laughs> she shouldn't have laughed at him. <laughs> Maybe it is transparent to you in some way. I, no, I, I, think, I think if she had been the one that was out for revenge, that would be totally different. Like, if it was her and Clint Eastwood out trying to kill people, I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm in. But it's the fact that, like, it's it's uh, Strawberry and her gang, and it's just like, this this lady's like, she's got, like, some ulterior motive that I can't quite figure out. Like, because it doesn't seem to me like the girl who had her face cut is really that hell-bent on revenge. She's just, like, very, like, you know... Traumatized. Traumatized. She has a nice conversation with Clint Eastwood. I mean, she's like, she's clearly over it. I mean, <laughs> like, I just want to remind our listeners, Teddy said, I want to be on Unforgiven. I've got something to say. <laughs> when that one comes up on the schedule, Batman Returns, I can't be bothered. Unforgiven, though. We can't ever invite him to any episodes he says he has an invested interest in. Remember T2? Terminator like, 2. John Connor, school shooter. Yes, I had to remember. Um, let me, let me give you a counterpoint here, Teddy. Uh, it's not that, well, there's a lot of what you're saying that is, is wrong, but it's not (laughs) wrong (laughs) as far as, as far as the character played by Francis Fisher, Strawberry Alice. Yeah. She, she is the like lead here. She's the Rosario Dawson from Sin City. She's going to be the one that gives the orders and commands. And I do, I think for, for her her viewpoint here is that not only is it just enough is enough, but I think there's a, certainly a a bitter pill to swallow that Gene Hackman, who it's revealed has his own criminal background. He's not just a, let's keep the peace law and order, man. He basically is like, let's keep my turf, my kingdom, like where what I say goes. Um, I think there's a bitter pill that they're having to swallow as far as he's going to be the one to tell them. (laughs) Kind of, much like you are, Teddy, where it's like, eh, it's just your face. Just walk it off. You know, can you still chew? Can you still see? You didn't lose an eye. You didn't lose a, a tit. I mean, it's, it's fine. You listen to what they're saying about you, and, you know, it's, it's not that bad. I think she is just fed up with someone else dictating to them um, when they have to just deal with something. And so, she, yeah, she, when you're talking about hiring someone to kill these men, you're, you're definitely... Uh, going to the mattresses and, and Godfather speak. And I think she's reveling in these men who have previously had power having to deal with something they can't control, which is Clint Eastwood coming to town. Like, no, I'll tell you when enough is enough and see how you like it when you don't get to dictate the, the terms of, of living. We can't, uh, to I, that point, we can't ahead. really expect uh, the woman whose face has been cut to all of a sudden about facing decide, you know what? I'm going to strap up now. I'm going to take these guys out myself. <laughs> I've seen so many movies where that happens. I, that's though, that's exactly what I started thinking. I was like, man, his, his mind is going to like the, I spit on your grave territory where it's like, you know what? She's going to figure out how to just blow everything up herself. But I, I guess my point though is like Strawberry Alice, you know, she takes out, you know, she, she sends out these uh, bounties on, on these guys. Like why not just the one? Like he's the one that made the offense. Like, what did the you're, other? Guy you're have? really taking up for the guy that offered up his horse. The uh, yeah, the, well, the bystander. Well, what else did he do? He w- he was having sex with Strawberry Alice in the other room. He didn't cut up anybody's face. 
yet he gets shot in the stomach and left to bleed out. Like, like it just seems to me like careful who you're get some water. Yeah, get some water. <laughs> Jesus, fella. Jesus, boys, my leg's broke. Better finish him, Ned. He ain't dead? You didn't get him? Got the boy's horse. Better finish him before he gets clear. Get behind them rocks, David boy! What's going on? If he gets in those rocks, we ain't gonna get him. Unless we go down there. What rocks? Why don't you shoot? What's going on, Ned? I ain't very good with my ears. Keep going, David! The rocks! Keep going! Did you get him? Will, where is he? How many more shots do I have? Ned, goddammit, how many more shots do I have? You missed him. I got him. They shot me once. He ain't killed. They shot me. Maybe, maybe not. Got him to the gut, I think. Jesus, I'm so thirsty. Slim. Slim, give me, give me some water, please. Please, Slim. I'm bleeding, Slim. Give me a drink of water, god damn it. Give me a drink of water, would you slip? Will you give him a drink of water for Christ's sake? We ain't gonna shoot. You ain't gonna shoot! No. Hold on, David boy. Here it come now. Don't you shoot me, you bastard! Taking water? Yeah. Jesus, Johnny, they shot him! Davey, hold on now. I don't know. Are they brothers? No, probably. Sometimes. Lovers. I think that, uh... Yes, you have a point. And I I actually really like the movie more that they have the other guy not be like, who gives a shit? She got what she deserved. That he... He does feel... You know, he feels funny. I mean, not enough to where he's going to reprimand... The, this man that he rides around with from town to town uh, because I think 
you know, there's, he's obviously acting out of fear of like, what is this crazy fucker going to do to me if I if I challenge him uh, physically for what he's doing to these women? But he's trying. I, I like the that the film still kills him. <laughs> I mean, because it it gives that harsh bent to it that I think Eastwood's interested in as far as uh, no, I'm not playing a hero. If I if I just killed people who uh, you know sexually or physically just assaulted women. Uh, then you wouldn't feel morally conflicted about me killing for money. Whereas the guy that does offer up the horse, uh, he is begging for his life. Um, you, you know, you don't, you don't take any glory in them shooting him down and then watching him like die an agonizing death as you do with the other one or, or even Gene Hackman at the end. I feel like the, the, the last gunfight with Gene Hackman, we feel like, all right, you've, you've been in this, this line of work before. Uh, now you've met your match, and it's you know it's an even game here. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, Teddy. As far as like in the reality of the world, yeah, it's unfortunate that that man has to pay for the uh, the sins of his companion. But I think it makes for a better movie that way. I mean, he also didn't leave that friend who, again, he walks in and sees him cutting up a woman's face. Because I think for me, and maybe this is just the lens through which I'll be able to talk about it. If I were hanging out with one of you and you just walked over and cut someone's fucking face, say like Jerry, I'm probably not hanging out with you from Super Cinema. Are <laughs> the, the closest like sociopath that we have, Jared, maybe Mike, but one of the two, cutting someone's face, I'm probably uh, I'm done, right? And so he knows that there's a bounty out for him, and he continues to ride with the face cutter, like, well, I hope things work out for us. So. I don't really feel any level of like sympathy when I still, when I see him still get murdered because he's still connected with the crime in that way. It doesn't just remove that aspect from his life. It's interesting. You bring, you bring up two points there. One is, um, he, he can make a, uh, a moral stand as far as like, well, I would never do that, mm. but I can't control what he's doing, right. uh, which may be true. But the second thing is he doesn't even, seem to acknowledge uh, for his own self-preservation uh, <laughs> that uh, maybe I should remove myself from this man's presence because uh, things are going to escalate. But I think it's because at the time uh, there were a lot of teddies of the world. <laughs> it's like, and it, it's not that bad because <laughs> there are all the other things going on. No one's going to kill us for this. They're just women and but they're prostitutes they, at that. Were they still together though? Because when they killed them, when they killed the first guy, he was like, I felt like he was further away, like with another group of maybe maybe their posse had split into two or something. I don't know, but um, were they still technically <laughs> riding together? Or what is this character's name that Teddy is mounting this defense for? This <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't even know who he is. He's just you know the other guy um, that you know. I the guess accomplice uh... is what we call him. <laughs> maybe not Teddy. I was about to pay him respect for having manners when it comes to dealing with horse in the old West, like <laughs> maybe a little bit of rough sex, but we're not going to cut the face. Not uh, even, uh, doesn't even someone like Harvey Cartel and taxi driver probably know, like he's not going to damage the face. Is that brought up by the, uh, proprietor here? That's yeah. like, thanks buddy. He's furious. Thanks. He's like, I need, that's yeah. why it's like, I need something of, of even, um, or that that's pretty similar as far as cost goes, because this is what you've cost me. I can't use this cattle anymore. There's no more milk here. And he's furious about it. And I think Teddy says there's still Teddy milk. Teddy says, yeah, exactly. It's just a small <laughs> mark. 
She still has all of her organs. It's fine. Pretty consistent with Ted. That's your cue, Ted. <laughs> you all are painting me out to be a villain. I don't like it. <laughs> no, that's when we let you talk for 10 minutes straight, and that does all of it for us. <laughs> Oh God! No. Derek is well, just practicing what he preaches, where he is separating himself from you, just in case there's any hate <laughs> tweets. <laughs> He's saying, "I don't agree with that." <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, I kind of sympathize with Gene Hackman. I sympathize with the second cowboy. I, I think the horrors got a little in over their head with this uh, lust for revenge, and for you look at the. Fo- if no, no, because if you if you look at the body count that's left, like uh, I would even argue, if they hadn't had to go after the second guy, Morgan Freeman would still be alive, because that's the killing that made him like, oh gosh, I don't want any part of this anymore. I'm I'm leaving, and that's when he you know got captured by uh, Hackman's men. So like, I think that's if, also what flips the switch for Eastwood. So yeah, I mean that's the legend again. Yeah, so don't get me wrong; it's fun seeing that switch for him. Like like the last. 10 minutes of the movie are definitely the best, like at least for me. But I just think that, um, I, I don't know. I just, I think this time I, I found myself like kind of sympathizing with, with, uh, Gene Hackman and, um, some of the other characters, like just, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Like Hosan, it, the it's... English Bob stuff when he kind of takes it a, a little far with Bob. No shit. Little Bill. All he's got here is writing stuff in, in this here book. Duck death. Uh, Duke. Duke. Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. I'll have that 32, Bob. Independence Day. I guess you think I'm kicking you, Bob. It ain't so. What I'm doing is this part. You hear? Talking all those villains down there in Kansas. And I'm talking all those villains in Missouri. He does take it a little far, but I think he almost has to with the character like English Bob. Like, just from everything that I've heard about English Bob and White, just like stuff that from the stories and then 
the way he's talking to his uh, squire, the guy that's dictating everything that's writing the book about him. You know, I like, take a little bit of issue with that, Ted, because you're you're allowing uh, Hackman's character of Bill Daggett to take it a little too far to send a message. <laughs> isn't isn't Eastwood's little money doing the same thing in those whores? Like, you'll think about cutting someone's face again because this man came and killed the damn near the entire male population in this town because they wouldn't stand up for these women. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's just different because it's Hackman beating up another man. God, no, it's not that. It's is it these English English Bob? Is it the <laughs> is it the nationalism at play here? Is it sexism? I, I mean, I think I think he, I think he got a little too harsh maybe there toward the end with English Bob, but like, um, I still I get what he was trying to achieve with with his town and his turf, you know? So I can't fault him for that. Like he's trying to maintain some sort of law, whether it's the right law. I don't, that, that can be debated, but like, I think, I think he's trying to maintain some sort of order that all of these surrounding characters are trying to, to, uh, destroy or well infiltrate. He ends up learning the, I mean, the same lesson, I mean, to, to his death, uh, mm-hmm. that Eastwood's character Will Money does, which is you're, no matter how much you try to settle down, there are you know, some past misdeeds that you're never going to outrun. You're always going to be marked for doing X, Y, and Z, especially, as you mentioned, uh, <laughs> you're wanting to see you know, episode one, the Phantom Menace version, where young Will Money is killing women and children. He's he's earned that, that, that sort of stain on him, that even if he's out... Uh, with a family now with two kids and a uh, widower and dealing in pig shit, he's still going to be that guy, no matter how old he gets. And I think that Hackman, similar thing. Like, yeah, he's now a lawman, but he has a history that Will Money is aware of. And uh, eventually he's he's going to pay for it. He's going to be dealt with that. He's not just uh Hey, 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 I'm just trying to run a, <laughs> a small like business here, basically of this town. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, it's played for comic effect with the, the home building that you talked about him trying to build a house is that as much as he tries to, uh, paint himself in a new light, he's clearly incapable of anything other than like violence. That's really the only thing that he's ever going to profit on and have like a knack for is just being a tough guy until he meets someone that is mean to him, which yeah, it's Eastwood. It's It's always going to be Eastwood. It's it's the, and this is to your point, like the residue of your past and the scarring that you just can't the scarring that you'll never be able to get rid of, right? So walk it off. Know, right? Scarring not that important because you think about we, you know, we talked about with uh, Hackman and with uh, Eastwood, but you you even have to think part of the reason that Hackman's able to just be like, oh, that shit that English Bob is saying is bullshit, is because he actually does know his actual past, right? Like he's mm-hmm. hip to everything that Bob is saying not being factual at all. And so in the town, he's already created this presence, like in the hour that he's there getting his hair cut and, and telling all these ridiculous stories, the, the townsfolks are like, oh my gosh, this English Bob guy, he's not to be messed with. But because of the truth of his past that he can't run away from, right? The Hackman just walks up and just basically just beats the shit out of him because he knows um, they just can't get away from him. I mean, Eastwood is plagued not just by the killer of women and children stuff, but he's really still kind of in a way haunted by the death of his wife too. 
because that that's what presents this moral responsibility and you almost think that there's there are times that he if he could be relinquished from that and just be someone who didn't feel bad about the things that he did right that he didn't have to have that empathy component that his wife brought in he'd probably still be the same william money that he was to begin with um well you bring up an uh important distinction too uh, in the film is that she knew mm-hmm. who he was right like lost her family because of it. So it's not like he decided to fake it as something else. And, you know, this was a dark secret he even kept from her. She, she, I mean, cleaned him up basically and sort of redirected those energies. Um, it is weird that that's all told that she's gone by the time like that starts that we don't really, she's just this presence, uh, in the film without us actually seeing her. Um, and I, I wonder I mean, Teddy, when, what age did you see this? Did you see this when you were a kid, or did you see it much like later, like college years? Probably college years. I wonder how... I mean, I think Westerns in general, modern audiences, they're probably strange, although something like um, Yellowstone, which I guess is kind of like that uh, on Paramount. I mean, it's set in modern times, but it's you know men trying to protect their land and on horseback and all that. Uh, I wonder how younger audiences would come to this this film because i i kind of forget how long it takes it almost takes until like pretty much that last scene before you see the will money that they've talked about this entire time it's not like he really gets more accomplished even in that uh, you know i'm just going to open that door briefly teddy even in the the killing of the the innocent man the the accomplice to the the man who likes to cut up whores um he's it's not like he's like oh i've got the old skill set back now like he is capable of dealing with being a murderer, but it's not like he's physically, he's like back in the game yet. I mean, that's why Morgan Freeman's even there because he doesn't know if he has the gunplay skills anymore. I guess I'm just wondering, do you think that a younger audience like getting interested in film and say they're interested in Westerns, does the sort of slow burn of it, do you think it would work for them or do they need the context of like the Eastwood classics from the sixties to, to enjoy this? Um, I think I, I think this is the first western they watched. They would not enjoy it as much because because it is kind of meta in that sense. It, it does have a lot to say about the western genre itself, you know. So I th- I think that if they came into it like I did, you know, watching watching like the spaghetti westerns, you know, like the the Man with No Name trilogy or um, the Wild Bunch or Searchers or just any of that kind of stuff, you know, and they cut and then they get to this movie, then I think that um, there's a greater appreciation of it. So. Um, and that's not to say like like I appreciate this movie like it's a good movie it deserved best picture I'm not trying to sit here and like just shit on it you know for some some bad decisions by uh, some ladies of the night but I just think that um, there it is. you know <laughs> I just think that I found I found myself looking at it from a from a new lens this time like thinking of it from all angles like typically when you watch a movie you're you're designed to watch it from the eyes of the prota- of the protagonist. Um, you know, you're you're designed to to not like who they don't like. You're designed to trust that what they're doing is for the right motivation, for the right reason. But trying to look at it from all sides, you know, I just started to see like, you know, I don't I don't think anybody's completely in the right here. Obviously, they're all flawed people. I mean, Gene Hackman included. I just think that, you know, with what he was trying to do, I I have some sympathy for that. You know, I think that especially in that in those days, like it's very it's very hard to keep a, a town without you know with <laughs> from going into chaos trying to keep murders down 
taking guns out of play, you know, like that stuff that, you know, maybe be great if this country could do it now, you know, like, so let me, I don't mean to <laughs> So, but I have heard you yes, say you law and order, <laughs> law and order a lot. Um, if our country could get back to, you know, respecting law enforcement, you, you, we, did we not talk about it earlier this week? The, uh, insult the police, uh, law. No, I didn't mean it that way. I wasn't meaning like, like I meant like gun control. That was more of where I was going with this. And women uh, control. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention like the uh, like, uh, you know, conservative perspectives that you're introducing <laughs> into the conversation. However, here's what I will say. And this is kind of what Mike's talked about um, thematically here, right? Like, you're like, I'm able to look at it from all angles. I'm not just riding with Eastwood uh, the whole way through. That's the whole point, right, of why this was kind of the 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 carving out of some somewhat new uh territories with the western getting away from that very uh just black and white good and evil you have a difficulty where you're sitting there watching and like i kind of get where hackman's talking about or you know his perspective of wanting to protect um his own right so you're able to see a variety of perspectives that you're at least identifying with on some level now that's it again even on this watch that's still not how i see the film for me it's uh, I want to click, uh, Eastwood to just, you know, burn the whole city to the ground, uh, go kill Hackman's kids if he's got any just lying around somewhere, uh, which he probably does because he had sex with those whores and left them, as you would have. And so just do whatever you need to do just to burn it all to the ground. Like, I'm totally... Teddy would. He'd make sure he'd get his 15% tip in, though. It would be 15% and no he'd more. Give him a cow <laughs> to get over it. <laughs> raise that my bastard child but um <laughs> but it, you know it's I, I do get his perspective on everyone's got at least you know there's some validity to what most of those folks are saying throughout and that's what makes this it makes it a western in the action and the, the time period setting but it doesn't follow like those western like my saying those tropes and i've not even seen that many um but it still doesn't follow that you know that John Wayne stuff that we've seen so many times. So you, you were a big fan of easy money sniper coming in and trying to take out all of the good people of the town. Introducing like a Kevin Durant reference. Yeah, but only, only spelled with M U N N E Y. Easy. Like Will Money is that is that his name? Will William Money or something? It is. Yep. Hey, interesting, interesting tidbit. I just learned um, scrolling around the IMDb. Um, uh, you're gonna hate this, Mike, but um, Richard Harris, who played English Bob, was Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. I did not know that. So wait, so is, is he the one that passed then? Yeah. And I didn't. Okay, so I, I didn't realize that was. Uh... That he was the one that I guess had to be replaced. Uh, who was the replacement Dumbledore then? Oh, what's his name? He's the one that sang that song Derek's obsessed no, with. Oh, that's Richard. Um, I thought that was Richard Harris. That he did MacArthur's Park. Someone left the cake out in the rain. You... Richard Harris did that. I thought you were talking yeah. about his replacement. Mike, are you aware of this song? I'm it's not. The reason I'm I like Richard, Richard Harris because I don't like him for any know. other reason. I have no reason to. <laughs> Somehow, I need to include a link somewhere um yes you're right um it has included the top of his uh, wikipedia the number one singing hit uh it's interesting 
I've never heard that singing hit. So uh, till you hear it. And the also, vocals are to die for. <laughs> that they have to distinguish. To like, no, no, no. It's no just singing. <laughs> in uh, Australia, Jamaica, and Canada, top ten hit in the UK, Ireland, and US. 1968 recording of Jimmy Webb's MacArthur Park. Um, There's a line that then said, right beneath that, he was. It says in 2020 he was listed as the number three uh, greatest uh, Ireland uh, film actors by the Irish Times. But that's beneath his hell. singing hit, of course. When you listen, you'll know why. Uh, hopefully, it's playing right now as we in heaven. <laughs> roll, roll, <laughs> roll out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find. Dumbledore and I can't find him. Where is he? I want to find his replacement. I, I know so did he play Dumbledore before he was uh, a known homosexual, and then they uh, they yeah. retconned it. Or is any of that actually in the movies? I've never seen the movies. So no, did they actually the, ever get into any of that? The books in the movies, there is no official like oh he's gay or anything. It's that hmm. that was J.K. Rowling after the fact. The lesser um, for it. There is there is some. Uh, you could read into some things in the very last book, but they don't really go into that at all in the movies. Um, there's there's some things in the book where you could be like, okay, I could kind of see it, but they never. It's never anything that like stands out. So. Uh, Michael Gambon, Gambon, uh, became a Dumbledore. He's in the uh, the Insider. Has uh, appeared in some Wes Anderson movies. Um, you would recognize his face. I mean, to me, it's like character actor. Um, oh yeah, that's him. That's him, Michael Gambon. Um, it is interesting to me that when I look at this, it says portrayals within film. <clears throat> Basically, they wanted anybody from Lord of the Rings they could get their hands on. Christopher Lee was the first choice as a replacement. Then Ian McKellen. Uh, but both turned it down. Um, and then they went with this guy. Jude Law, do you like the younger version, Teddy? Um, the first Fantastic Beast movie was decent. The second one was bad. Because um, those were like, kind of, not, not I guess they're kind of prequels, I guess. Um, but they're not like, I don't think they're not based off an actual book, really. Harry Potter and the cut whore killings. Yeah. Now that would decrees, be a good movie. Dumbledore decrees they deserved it. <laughs> Excessive. Are you as in uh, in the dark on Harry Potter as I am, Derek? I've seen the first movie. I watched it. The, and that's it. I never continue on with it. I'm you know. So when people make reference to it, I'm. Uh, I probably feel like most of it was like Star Wars or maybe right. comic book stuff where it's like I recognize some names but I, other than that I just have no interest in it uh, and didn't really even at the time and I, I didn't well make- we're we're ahead of the game because everybody hates JK Rowling now so we were just on the right side of history I'm, we don't have that stain of joining Harry Potter I've only seen Lord of the Rings once do you enjoy it? Uh, borrowed all three extended versions, I think, from Adam, and watched them pretty much in like a back to back to back over a weekend. Um, oh wow! I- so you are a good friend because Teddy forced Ghost in the Shell, I think, on me. <laughs> no, it was Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Never watched it. Um, nope. And then when it came on sale for four ninety nine on iTunes like last year, I took the time to send you a screenshot of me purchasing Bastard. it. <laughs> 
and then never I never watched it either. But I do have it in my digital collection. Send me another tease photo. Like I'm I'm edging closer. I promise. Uh, Jared's actually uh, going through Cowboy Bebop right now. I'm pretty sure. Jared's going through a lot right now. Some. (laughs) Going through a lot. Jared's going through a lot right now. Yeah, apparently we uh, we pissed Dave off last weekend. So we we got into a big anime discussion in a text thread, and uh, to where, where he was tweeting about it. So um, he went to his real friends. He went to his real friends. <laughs> well, he hates, he, well, I was still like about it. Uh, how much Dave hates Wandavision, um, and like three or four of us in the same thread were like, "No, oh, this, this is really fun." Dave's like, "Jesus, please don't talk <laughs> at all." <laughs> I watched the first uh, first two. It was okay. Yeah. I mean, I haven't any good nuts of it, but you know, it was strange. I think Brittany liked it more than I did. I didn't. Um, I didn't like the first two more than I did. I didn't like it until like episode five. As far as like really liking it, liking it. I it's it's weird I'm that she t- liked it though because she didn't really remember the characters. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know the robot weird looking dude mm-hmm. and I was like she's got like powers where she can she's can cause Scarlet Witch's powers are kind of hard to explain anyway right like it's not like oh she can shoot lasers or this that she can technically um, just do anything yeah. so Brittany's she's watching it almost just like it's own thing right and enjoying it so that's cool I, I think it's how a lot of people are cause I, I know for me like what I liked about it the, especially like the first three or four episodes was the um, the genres you know just like mm-hmm. ones like Bewitched ones like I Dream Genie Brady Bunch you know like um, that's. I think once they kind of got away from that, that's when I started losing interest in it. Um, they got more into like the just the regular Marvel stuff. With and that's and see for me, that's when it was like, oh shit, I'm really really fucking digging this. Um, and the black Twitter deciding that uh, Vision, the black version of Vision's name was Vishon, and they're memeing him. the turtleneck. <laughs> and, yeah, because he's got this picture where he's like, look, at, he's like in a turtleneck, and he looks like he's posted up like real smooth. <laughs> and it got like like taken by a black Twitter, and they've called him Vishon the past two weeks, and uh, putting like chains, like really stereotypical things. But it's fucking hilarious. And I sent like Adam like a boatload of photos that hopefully he saved for later. Um, <laughs> yeah, it gets ladies dripping in their drawers. That's for sure. Vishon. <laughs> and this is Showbiz Today live Tuesday, February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. This time it is to the big screen. Warner Brothers is spending millions to bring millionaire Bruce Wayne and his alter ego to life. Is this a gamble for the studio? Will Batman pay off? Will there be bat hysteria? Sherry Claypool has this bat update. Stop killing me! What are you? Gotham City's finest is back. But don't look for the Cape Crusader at the same bat time or same bat channel. He's once again a movie star, and he's got a lot of stress on his bat wings. Estimates are that the final price tag for the Warner Brothers movie will be in the 30 to $50 million range. I think that Warner Brothers has a great deal of its hopes for 1989 riding on Batman. Batman does have its fans. He has a lot of courage in him. He's pretty cool. He's one of my favorite heroes. But are those fans a little younger than Warner Brothers would like? For my kids, probably. Not for myself. Marketing consultants say Warners will have to sell the movie. Batman alone isn't enough draw, but the star power will help. Joker. 
You've got Jack Nicholson, who I think is probably the consummate actor working in the business today. And you've got a young director named Tim Burton coming with Beetlejuice. And I think when you put all those elements together, you've got a chance of having a pretty good movie. But star power isn't a guarantee for a hit. Remember Ishtar? A bomb estimated to cost upwards of $40 million. It starred Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty. This is some of our best work. Are my lips, like, painted? Oh, I'm recording this part. Make sure to repeat that line. <laughs> I was not going to say anything, but I did think, I was like, is Derek doing something with this lips? Is it the lighting situation you have in I, there? I think um, it is the, there are, I think there's a Zoom setting to like fake makeup. And I uh, think that's what my wife hasn't said on if she has a meeting and she hasn't applied makeup for the day. The problem is, or I think what's weird about it is that, I mean, I signed in on mine, but every time I zoom, I always notice that my, my lips look like they've, <laughs> I mean, it looks really weird. Um, no judgment. I'm gonna be no, honest. Whatever, whatever Derek's doing in middle age is fine with me. Uh, uh, no, I don't like that. And uh, I was born a different time when men didn't do it either. And so, uh, well, you were just no. getting into the, the Batman aesthetic, you know, it's, did you know it's Batman day today? It's Batman today. Today is, is Batman day. Like this Shut date up. is known as Batman no. day. I thought, does it change every year? Because I feel like, you know, like I'll look back on my uh, Twitter or my Twitter, my Facebook and, and I'll see uh, posts from people like happy Batman day in June. And then the next year it's like in November and the next year it's, it's in um, September. Um, but no, right. I, no, I did not know that. Um, it says here the first Batman day was July 23rd, 2014, uh, 75th anniversary of uh, his first appearance. Um, however, Warner brothers UK tweeted three hours ago, uh, Batman Day and an image of the Robert Pattinson thing. I only know because I was looking at movie times today and Cinemark has Mask of the Phantasm, uh, Batman 89 and Batman Returns playing back to back to back. And it says Batman Day. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. But um, You know how hard it is to plan for that when it just changes like week to week? Because I would go and watch it's a character that has such a long history. I guess they're going to pick different iconic moments to celebrate. Like, well, it's not the 75th anniversary of his first appearance, but it's the whatever anniversary of this. So I don't know. This is my chance to talk up uh, NBA 2K. This is like the, um, the Batman Actually. challenges. We'll just pick a different date and celebrate it. And you get to relive mask of the phantasm Batman returns. I mean, it's cool. Um, but I, when you said that, that 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 was the first thing I thought of, like my gosh, like I'm excited about it. I guess it'll give me another reason to watch more Batman uh, if I get the chance. But it does feel like it, it's just kind of all over the place. They tried that with the first um, free comp book day uh, because I think I think it was tied into like uh, I think it's Derby Day here in Kentucky. The first Saturday in May is what they end up settling on. I think that was the first one. But they switched it the year of Spider-Man 2 because I think it came out like the last week of June or right before the 4th of July. So they're like, oh, it's a big comic book movie. This would be better for comic book day this year. And same thing. People were like, but I thought that was in May. Why is it happening 4th of July? So, But now there's enough comic book movies that there's always going to be something that I guess can be promoted. doesn't matter. Can't wait for Christmas next year on November the 5th. Mm -hmm. Can't plan for it. As a parent, would you like that though? 
Would you like your kids no. not having the anticipation of when they're going to get presents? <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I know you really don't care about this. There has to be a question about being a parent. Uh, but I actually I'll do because I don't have you, one. <laughs> I want to just sit back and just be like, man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Will you give me another horror story so I can just make sure my decision is validated again? <laughs> uh, we had told him this year, because his birthday's in uh, um, August, August 30th. And this birthday. is the first year that he... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, there's no major holidays that are conflicting with it, so... Exactly. Nobody else has a birthday, other than my mother, has a birthday in October. And he had said... Um, uh, you know, we, we, we get into this routine cause I start cooking during the pandemic. So I go to the store a lot and I take him with me, especially during the summer. And I got into a really bad routine of picking up, a, uh, like a, like a toy every time we were there. And so I eventually had to start getting into the habit this summer of saying, no, you just have to wait until your birthday, man. Uh, you can only do that for so long. Cause eventually he's like, no, I don't want a damn birthday. Like, mm-hmm. like this is, this is mm-hmm. pointless. Why have I waited three months for this thing that's ha- not happened yet? So, um, yeah, the, I, I don't know. The anticipation would, would, um, it would be a little weird if it were all over the place. I'm trying to remember when I was a kid, as far as how that went, I think it's better if you have, obviously you and I are in similar circumstances. The differences are, are you're not the, youngest are you no i have um a younger sibling okay one younger sister um but when you have you know how many how many do you have because i I have four so three okay so similar in that respect that there's like there's always like a birthday like it didn't seem like the year there was just these long lulls without some sort of like you know toy and if you have siblings if they're getting something in a way you're going to have access to it too. So whatever they ask for, it's like, there's almost like a committee meeting among siblings. <laughs> like, Hey, wouldn't this be cool if you got that? And then I can sort of drift off of that, that joy. Um, you but, at least have what, three brothers. Yeah. Only so one there's... sister. So, well, so, so you're okay. Never mind. You're, <laughs> you're the, uh, so the it's solitary. like, do I, do I want this Tamagotchi? Uh, do I want this, <laughs> um, you know, cabbage patch kid, uh, light bright kind of yeah three sisters mm-hmm. um um change things uh that which is again why i'm such a domestic now and why i do like cooking so all right i'm gonna pull up um whatever we're supposed to be talking about as far as the batman <laughs> minute here uh because i've already edited this episode for unforgiven yeah. I, yeah. I was like man this is a some funny shit we had teddy on it was a good episode <laughs> and then i thought i was like why why are we talking about unforgiven on the grand gesture though and i'm like oh this is a batman theme episode and we didn't record that or if we did i lost the files i can't find it i don't know i have no memory <laughs> of it um so i have the theme for this one is a parade of fear and unforgiven because uh, for this Batman minute and a half, uh, you have, I guess, the Gotham bureaucrats uh, talking about throwing a parade. And uh, the quote is, well, people might be scared. And, <laughs> of course, that's that's Bash. Like, ah, just, you know, distract them. <laughs> They'll forget about the, the maiming and the killings in this weird kind of a bat suit. Um, we're going to throw them a parade. I'm tying that into Unforgiven only in the sense that I guess there's a parade of violence that comes through this small town, which we had a lot of fun with. And I think I'll just tack this on to the end of the episode instead of the beginning because I want to reference the fact that our guest, our reoccurring guest, Tangible Teddy, 
uh, kept blaming it on the women and the victims for, for bringing more violence to town and their thirst for vengeance. Um, not the initial act, <laughs> the sadomasochists that came in and cut up these whores. No, the whores themselves were having a problem with it. I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't call them uh, a name or by name other than those whores, right? Like he's. Which I, you know, I'll back him only in that I, I did look up the trivia that said the, the original title was the cut whores of the, the script. So. <laughs> Somehow written by a seven year old Teddy. Uh, makes sense. So kind of talking about, uh, Batman Day, and and you know we can't obviously no one can come to any conclusion on when that day is. Uh, you mentioned Mask of the Phantasm. I feel like in the Burton version, seeing the I guess the the well non villains and non heroes. It's not Batman, and it's not his nemesis, and not any of the goons he's gonna face. It's the people I guess trying to live in this crazy fucked up city where you have a man in a cape and. Uh, a man who looks like a clown permanently unless he puts on like the you know human jack nicholson makeup um it's very brief it might be like i don't think we get any of this in batman returns at all i don't think he even fools with like the normies and that unless you call like christopher walken a normal businessman which i don't think we There's would nothing about so this is like normal. a very yeah. brief occurrence of seeing quote-unquote you know regular people trying to manage living and like a superhero city and not only that, but a Tim Burton superhero city. I can only say as a kid, I think this is the, this would be like the boring minutes for me. <laughs> like I, I don't want to see them talk about Batman or Joker. I want to see Batman or Joker. So how, how do you look at it now as an adult, as far as seeing these adults trying to function in this environment? I think if it were another film that was trying to play this a little bit more seriously, um, then that scene uh, doesn't feel like an outlier. But because the vast majority of, of the film is, like you said, um, a little bit of like this fantastical idea of capes and um, green hair and Prince music, um, you having one scene or two scenes where you're trying to play it pretty seriously, uh, just, I'm not going to say it doesn't work, um, I'm just, uh, but I will say it's like, uh, you know, when you're going through that minute by minute and you were talking about this particular scene, I'm like, what's he talking about? When does this happen? I, I, is it somewhere between the opening and, and, uh, bat dance? I don't recall. And it's one of those things. It's, it's largely forgettable in a movie that has a number of iconic scenes, I feel like. And so you're, you're right. Like you're taking, uh, the Burton universe, which is already like ramped up to 11. Um, and then you're kind of throwing in like this neat cutesy uh, normal community trying to deal with real world problems. And it's like, nobody really cares about that. You all really don't care about that. Like you're all even here for, for the chaos because I think we've talked about it before. Why would you choose to live in Gotham? Like <laughs> if you're a social elite, uh, if you're upper middle class, like, I mean, you have options. The Gotham doesn't have to be the place that you call home. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it was a largely like, if not unnecessary, just kind of a throwaway. Uh, Cause I don't know what, what, how it moves to change as far as like the narrative of the story either. Cause how, I mean, back, they do revisit it, but yeah, it'll come yeah. back around only in the sense that Joker himself <laughs> will throw his own, parade giving out money and just overtake it uh so you know celebrating the 
city's centennial or whatever uh, yeah. it is. Um, I like what you said about why would you choose to live in Gotham because it's, you know, not now, not in 2022 times, but definitely, like, if you go back and watch something like Mad Men, like, you know, what would be considered, like, the glory days of, like, Madison Avenue, even then, those characters were getting out of the city. Like, that's where they worked, that's where they frolicked, that's where they fucked around, but raising kids here, what are you, insane? No, we're not <laughs> not doing that. And that's not even getting into, you know, like, 70s and 80s New York, which I don't think, you know, I don't think Batman 89 is like taxi driver or anything because it's it's through <laughs> Burton's skewed lens. Sure, but sure. certainly the city is not shot as anything glamorous. I mean, the most glamorous thing we have will be coming up next episode. We'll have uh, our introduction to Vicki Vale, who I guess is Kim Basinger, like at her peak, is the most glamorous thing. But even she's cloaked in black and is taking pictures of like, you know, dead bodies in war-torn countries. And she comes to Gotham and it's, if, it, if it is daylight, it's wet. Rainy. There's like you know, it's right. just people are all in black. Um, so I, I guess it's you're meant to kind of maybe look at these characters as somewhat comical that they think uh, there's anything we can do to distract them from a maniac clown uh, terrorizing the city or a man sure. in a latex suit with a bright yellow emblem uh, around his bat symbol. Um, I don't know if I took it that way when I was younger. Um, and, but now I guess I, I do sort of lean into the fact that, oh, there would be some regular folks. I don't think that the Marvel movies, I think they attempt to do that, but they do it in that sort of cheeky way that say the use of Billy D. Williams here, it would all, you may have Harvey Dent, but it would be set up in that sort of knowing wink, wink, like in the second mm-hmm. one though, he's going to be two faced. Yeah. He's talking about boring bullshit right now, but we're just showing you right. that we do it's have a plan here. The fourth wall kind of yeah. stuff. Right, like which it, this one I mean, has it, no interest in. This one, I mean, it's like no. Uh, we need an attorney character. I guess the others is Harvey Dent that's in the mythology, but it's seemingly no plans to use him the, again. Right, and I've always loved the um, well. You know, if uh, Burton had gotten to do his version, you you would have saw. You know, you would have seen Billy D. Williams as Two Face and all that kind of stuff. In reality, I don't think there was any sort of like like thought about what happens next. Like Tim Burton's not really all that interested necessarily necessarily in that um just i mean yeah and that's fine but you're right like with you can't compare it to the mcu because everything is a wink uh and a nod to you know fanboys and the folks who follow like the entire series whereas with this it is its own like contained its own contained uh universe and uh you can make the argument maybe i don't know i don't know how well this applies but you know uh, trying to live life normally amidst uh, absolute chaos, um, kind of similar to you know the past two years during the the pandemic, where there would be moments where, uh, especially like you know living in Kentucky, the first you know f- like five or six months um, when all the schools shut down, and I would uh, I would just choose to lay down instead of watching like the Bashir like press conferences in the evening because it's like I don't want to know. I don't want to know numbers today. Like, I don't, I don't know really what's going on in this world, but this is not for me. Like I'd be that person in Gotham. Like, no, I'm not going to no fucking parade. Are you kidding me? I don't want any of these problems right now. That's also, you know, the, the argument has been cast sort of, uh, I guess, among cinephiles, the very same tactic is used against the MCU uh, in general, which is uh, you have, and I don't know if Batman 89 was a precursor to that you have grown adults, 
that when they choose entertainment, they choose very childish things or things from their childhood that, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be superheroes. It can be anything, I guess, somewhat nostalgic. Uh, you know, Stranger Things is looking at, you know, those sort of Stephen King stories or like 80s horror, that sort of vibe. Sure. And certainly as a guy that, you know, goes to the movies like well over probably 100 times a year, like I'll, I, I just love being in a theater and we'll see everything at, at it, whatever. Um, I can't feel that way because I'm like, God damn it. Another <laughs> like a fucking another super movie. But on the other hand, I'm also like you said, if you turn on the news the right course of action for me is to be like, whatever people choose to like spend their time on that they enjoy and they're not causing problems or harming anyone else. And they're not getting on Facebook and saying vile things to other people. Like, why do I care if they want to watch the latest captain America and they want to watch a good person do good things and come out well in the end? Yeah. That's, that's what we probably should be inspiring to. I like to think this is your epiphany of, (laughs) Uh, although for the most part you've never been that critical well i don't know but not that critical of someone else's interests if you thought it was absolute nonsense for the most part um just don't involve me are good for (laughs) exactly don't ask me to like it don't ask me to appreciate the aesthetic um and i'm good you know unlike you know our good friend and you know your uh, co-host on what is screen death Officer, you knew who I was talking about. Don't don't act like you would uh, remember your own podcast with him. (laughs) I would have to remind you what the title is. Your (laughs) co-host, your co-host Dave, who viciously um, attacks people on Twitter for their for their interests. When in reality, I think we've come to to an understanding here that you know the world just is so difficult. Why not just allow somebody to enjoy whatever it is? Paddington, uh, Batman the new Batman, right? We could go all day with this. So yeah, I I 100% agree with your perspective here, Mike. That's great. Now to bring it back to the pandemic times, I I probably would not join a parade in Gotham during these times, uh, nor would I, uh, to tie it back to Unforgiven, show up to play grab ass with some prostitutes after the events of the film. I would, (laughs) I would wish everyone well, and like, I hope the women get their justice. I hope the Joker is put in Arkham. Uh, yet again, I don't have to be involved. Just like I don't have to watch every Disney Plus <laughs> MCU show. <laughs> as long as no one's being hurt, don't ask for my input on this. And I suppose with this particular minute we're talking about, that is the folly of the characters that they think that people are stupid enough that they'll forget about all of their problems. I'm not saying they're bad people for wanting <laughs> to provide some sort of distraction, <laughs> but clearly they, um, they were a little bit early on the, uh, the shot clock with this one, because, uh, this is minute 12 through 13 and a half of the film. A lot more shit happens. We haven't even got to Kim Basinger yet. That's what I'm excited about. Is That's that insane. Yeah. Yeah. That is insane. The, well, and maybe you can make the argument not enough bad stuff actually has happened to them for them to come to the realization that this just isn't for me. Like maybe they're that person that just needs to get slapped upside the head for 10, you know, 10 times before they're like, I'm out. But there is no mass exodus in this movie. You still have those idiots, as we'll talk about, you know, probably by 2050, uh, the parade scene where he's, you know, still handing out cash and all those poor people still there. The rich folks, though, about, uh, in Gotham, gone. Gone. They're the intelligent ones. 
You you really made me relive like the pandemic times where the, like the rich were able to hunker down, go to their <laughs> beach house somewhere. <laughs> A very the poor folks who couldn't get masks on Amazon. <laughs> no, they didn't care anyway, and had to go serve them. Had to go bring them their food and drop it off on the porch. <laughs> oh yeah, glad we're back, Derek, for Batman Day. This is <laughs> so lovely. Um. So yeah, I uh, I have the next episode edited as our non-Batman episode. It is Trouble with the Curve uh, because it was very hard to find a Clint Eastwood romance and we found one where he's not the romantic lead. Uh, thankfully, it's his daughter that is in the romance. So, And Derek's an expert like on baseball, so look forward to those. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I can talk to you about ERAs and um, um, outfielders. You know how pissed Dave's going to be that you remember ERA, but you never remember the title of your own podcast with him? Because <laughs> we went through so many, and we I think one uh, name I thought it was was actually like a um, a gay hentai. <laughs> Once I looked it up, and I said, that's, I mean, we can go with that. I have no issue with it whatsoever, but Dave was... I mean, eminently against it. I mean, he was he was hot. That was a so. marketing folly on his part. So many free clicks, and if they liked what they heard, they may have stuck around. But uh, editor Mike is just cute in the music when you brought up gay hentai. So that's, <laughs> that's the end of this episode. <laughs> that's fair.